TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. We survived another year of fireworks. By the way, St. Louis Park does a phenomenal job with its fireworks show. It's about 50-50 when we're in town on the 4th of July this particular year. In town, went over to the St. Louis Park fireworks show. They did a great job. Taxpayer money, well spent. It's all about the kids, right? It used to be about me, my wife. It's no longer about us. It's all about them. And both boys, Droogie and Keaton, gave thumbs up. Hopefully you give a thumbs up. To this episode of the Scoop Podcast here on the 5th of July, Friday the 5th of July. This is episode 241, going on three and a half years strong. All right, the last time I did a podcast was last Friday. As I've documented in this podcast, I've dealt with enough stuff on the personal side with our older son, and it's been a bit of a battle. He's actually in a really good spot right now. I would say 90% of the time he is in a good spot. Recently diagnosed with Lyme disease, plus he still has an abnormal amount of strep in his bloodstream. So his immune system isn't where it needs to be. It's all about managing. It's all about getting him on the right meds. Plus we're dealing with a mold problem in our house, which isn't helping his immune system. The good thing is Droogie is good about 90% of the time, but the 10% can be some awful episodes, but he's in a good spot playing baseball. He went to Hopkins basketball camp, so we're in a really good spot, and hopefully by the start of his third grade school year in September, we'll have his medicine down pat, and he'll be in a really, really good spot. Hopefully what we've dealt with the last six and a half weeks, seven weeks, will be a thing of the past. But I sincerely apologize for those who normally expect two podcasts a week. I've been able to do that maybe here, maybe there since the end of April, but it's been a struggle, so I'll continue to do as much as I can, but getting back to two podcasts a week, might have to wait until Vikings training camp. Just so much going on on the personal front, then the professional front. Remember, the A-job is Channel 5, the KSTP Sports Department, so my work for Score North, as much as I cherish, I appreciate, I have a passion for doing radio, for doing podcasts, it's just not my main job. So in terms of prioritizing my time, managing my time with my work schedule. I'm doing the best I can, so bear with me. So if it's just one podcast a week, so be it. If it happens to be two, I hope you enjoy everything that I put out. All right, on the Wolves, because we'll bring Danny Cunningham into the conversation in just a second for some healthy back and forth. But on the Wolves, so I did the last podcast last Friday, had Brian Windhorst on, had BJ Armstrong, the agent for Derek Rose on. So let me pick up from Friday on some tidbits, then I'll get into more with Danny Cunningham over the next couple segments. All right, Sunday night. So the Wolves meet with D'Angelo Russell. The Athletic was first to report that there was a helicopter involved. That was all about transporting Russell to the meeting location. I am told the meeting went well, but at no point did the Wolves get a full thumbs up from D'Angelo Russell. I mean, that has to be a kick in the gut, right? That has to be just unbelievably frustrating if you're the Wolves thinking because of Carl Anthony Towns because of the creative arts agency connection that they thought hey D'Angelo Russell would give us the thumbs up but on top of that even if the Wolves got a thumbs up I have no sense whatsoever that the Wolves were in a position to dump money to actually execute the moves necessary to either sign outright sign D'Angelo Russell or execute a sign in trade now I volunteered last week on the podcast that there was some chatter about the Wolves making Andrew Wiggins available if the Nets had interest in a sign-and-trade. But the Nets, hey, let's be frank, free agency begins well before, in this case, June 30th at 5 o'clock Central. The Nets knew for weeks that they were getting Kyrie Irving. The Nets also knew for weeks that they had a good chance to get Kevin Durant. The Nets were not absorbing Andrew Wiggins' contract, so that was a non-starter. So the Wolves knew, okay, we can't move Wiggins for Russell. What can we do? We need to find another team. Here's that team. I've hinted at it on Twitter, D Wolfs and KSTP Shameless Plug. That team was Dallas. So what the Wolves proposed to Dallas was, you really like Robert Covington, who wouldn't? Everybody likes Robert Covington as far as I know. Really good two-way player, really, really good contract for three more years. Dallas likes Robert Covington. But the Wolves wanted Dallas to also take Jeff Teague and Gorgie Jang. At no point have the Wolves come close to moving Andrew Wiggins. His name really hasn't come up all that much. It's really been more about Jeff Teague, some others, and they were willing to attach Covington if Dallas was willing to take on those two big contracts. 
Dallas did not have interest. The talks did not get very far. So I am still struggling to find how the Wolves were carving out a realistic path to either signing Russell or trading for Russell. I just can't figure it out. So even if Russell had given them the thumbs up, I'm not entirely sure there was actually a realistic path to the Wolves obtaining Russell. Now, is Covington available? I know that Windhorst, who I love, I have him on this podcast as often as his schedule allows. I know that he wrote sometime in the last 24 hours that the Wolves are still shopping Covington. That Jeff Teague is also readily available on Covington. The Wolves, I can just tell you flat out, the Wolves are not shopping Robert Covington. They were willing to move him as they went star shopping. Darius Garland, right? On draft night, they were trying to move up. New Orleans could have had Robert Covington. They preferred the deal they made with Atlanta to move off from that number four pick. They were interested in obtaining D'Angelo Russell. Gerson Rosas wants a second star here. That was Russell. He was willing to move Covington if there was a path to obtain D'Angelo Russell. But at this point, are the Wolves outright shopping Robert Covington? The answer is 100% no. They actually think highly of him, just like most, if not all, of the league. They really like Robert Covington, who, by the way, a few days ago was cleared for a light workout. So he had the knee surgery in April, missed, what, about half the year, if not a little bit more than half the year. Ryan Saunders never actually coached Robert Covington in a game. So he just got cleared to do some light workout. The goal is he'll be ready by training camp. But Covington is still months away from being able to be cleared to play five on five. But bottom line, Robert Covington did not come close to getting traded, and the Wolves are not shopping him. All right, let me bring Danny Cunningham into the conversation. Score North, scorenorth.com. He is on his way to Vegas to cover the Wolves in the Vegas Summer League. He's got some insight on Covington, on Teague, on what the Wolves tried to accomplish. They swung and missed on a number of guys, but they also landed some guys. So let's now bring into the conversation. Does a great job covering the Wolves for Score North and scorenorth.com. Check out his podcast, Raised by Wolves. It is Danny Cunningham. Danny, thanks for being in studio before you head out to Vegas. All right. Of course. <clears throat> On Russell, because I just laid out some of what I knew on Russell. Mm -hmm. From what you've gathered, do you have any sense whatsoever, even if Russell gave them the thumbs up, and my indication is he did not, Yeah. Okay. but even if he had given them the thumbs up in that meeting on Sunday, and I'm told that meeting went really, really well, Yeah. like incredibly well, but he never fully gave them the thumbs up. But let's say he gave them the thumbs up. Did you hear of any path where they were clearing money, whether it was through a signing trade involving a third team? Just dumping money, then outright signing D'Angelo Russell. I just brought up Dallas. Yeah. That Dallas was talked to, but those talks just didn't go anywhere. I can't, for the life of me, Danny, figure out the path to how they were going to acquire D'Angelo Russell. I can't either, and I heard the same Dallas stuff that you did. That's that's really the only scenario I heard where it was a, a concrete offer, stuff like that. And they kind of got unlucky in terms of a lot of the potential markets for for a point guard like Jeff Teague were taken away with Ricky Rubio agreeing to a contract in Phoenix and even Indiana signing Malcolm Brogdon. A lot of those places where Teague maybe could have been a fit signed other point guards, and that's probably something that dried up their their potential suitor list a little bit. And that, I think, hurt them. I can't. I don't have information saying that it did, but it's plausible to, to believe that. It absolutely is plausible. Now, you brought up the name Ricky Rubio. I haven't brought this up yet in the first six minutes of the Scoop podcast. He was plan B. I mean, these yeah. teams meet. I mean, frankly, free agency begins well before, in this case, June 30th. It's like the combine, essentially, I think, is really the start of free agency. Yes, so mid-May in Chicago. But there's even seeds planted before then. But you're right. When everybody in the league is at the combine in Chicago mid-May, that's when things ramp up. Mm-hmm. I'm told. And the Wolves internally met four weeks. I mean, right after Rosas took over, there were meeting after meeting after meeting. So they come up with contingency plans, right? Plan B, plan C, plan D. I'm told plan B was Ricky Rubio. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I don't think that they would have been able to or even should have moved mountains to get to where Ricky Rubio got financially with Phoenix. I think that that's a contract we're going to be looking at maybe next year or maybe two years from now where, when Phoenix is going to potentially have an unhappy Devin Booker where Ricky Rubio is not going to be good enough and that's going to be a contract I think could be difficult to move. So I don't, I wouldn't have been as crazy about that being plan B, but that's me personally. I don't think R- Ricky Rubio's playing styles, all that suited for today's NBA. I think they could have done better there, but I understand why it was plan B. He's someone who has a 
a past here. He's someone who has a past with Carl. And keeping Carl Anthony Towns happy should be their number two goal behind winning basketball games. For it this absolutely organization. is their number two goal. It might even be right now their number one goal, hand in hand with yeah. winning games. Rubio got what three years? Fifty-one million. Fifty-one from Phoenix. million. That's a lot of money. I mean, for my Ricky understanding Rubio. is they were told this is the Wolves. We're told early on, so pre-June thirtieth, mm-hmm. that you're not getting Rubio. Yeah. And the belief for the longest time was Indiana. But That's... that just tells you how things change, how these teams do have contingency plans. The Pacers were always fans of Malcolm Brogdon. I'm not quite sure they ever thought there was a realistic path to acquiring him until things started to change there in those first few hours, you know, 5 o'clock Central to about 7, 8 o'clock Central yeah. on June 30th. That's when the Pacers pivoted. But Rubio's camp also had a plan B. They knew a Phoenix interest. Okay, maybe the top goal was to land in Indiana, but... There was legitimate interest in going to Phoenix, and hey, if you're the Rubio camp, win, right? Huge win. Three years, $51 million? That kind of money? That's a huge win for the Ricky Rubio party. That's that's awesome. I don't think they could have done any better than that. I'm shocked he got that much money, and I'm a little surprised he got a three-year deal. I thought he was someone that was going to get a one-year deal or a two-year deal. I didn't Agree. see three coming in, especially at $17 million a year. I mean, I get it. If you're Phoenix, you have to overpay. Yeah. But that was a massive massive overpay. I don't think anyone was knocking on Ricky Rubio's door to try and come close to that offer. No, and I don't know what the Wolves would have paid him. I don't think it would have been $17 million per, but you're right. The biggest reason they wanted Rubio, Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. Carl, if you remember, with Rubio, played really well. Yeah, Rubio shares the ball. So even if he's not a shot maker, and this team still needs three-point shooting badly. Big time, especially in the backcourt. All of their three-point shooting seems to be front-court players. They don't have guards that can shoot from three really well. No, I mean, I guess depending on lineups, Jake Lehman. Potentially. I, I consider him more of a front-court so player. So do I, than, but depending on lineups, I mean, he could be the two in theory. Jared Culver could be the three guarding opposition threes. I mean, you can mix and match. They have yeah. so many guys that can play multiple positions. Which is which a good thing. is their goal. Yeah. Was their goal is their goal. That's what Ryan Saunders wants. They want to change, switch a lot on defense. But yeah, I mean, it's all about satisfying Carl. I do think because there's a lot of Wolves fans mad right now, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, of course. Especially with the Instagram post from Carl Anthony Towns on Sunday. Him talking openly was a Complex magazine. He did one with Complex. He did an interview with Uproxx. He kind of went on a little interview circuit and, and talked about recruiting D'Angelo Russell. That it, it wasn't he wasn't whispering to him. He was yelling at him with a microphone, just how badly he wanted him to be a member of the Wolves. And the Instagram post, I don't have an issue with at all. I think that that's a fun thing, and that's something that kind of makes the NBA what it is today. You don't mm-hmm. see players doing that in football, in baseball. I think that that's something that's fun and unique to the NBA. There's no need to to be up in arms over that. Agree. I think you see it a little bit in the NFL. Maybe a little bit. But not as pronounced as as it is in the NBA. But I think if you're a Wolves fan, and I get it, because the West is going to be even deeper this upcoming year than it was last year, and we might be talking about the 13th best team in the Western Conference. Correct. A team that doesn't have a prayer of making the playoffs, but they might not be so bad where they can end up with a top-four pick, which... If you're going to hit rock bottom, you may as well really hit rock bottom. I mean, there's the kid going to Memphis, James Wiseman. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good draft at the top Yeah, next June, which we shouldn't really be talking about right now. But here we are. But here we are. <laughs> but I think if you're a Wolves fan, at least be encouraged from this standpoint, right, that Carl Anthony Towns wanted to be involved, mm-hmm. was heavily involved, very vocal. I'm told very vocal. Yeah, that's a great thing. In the meeting with D'Angelo Russell. He wants to be involved. I mean, the last thing you want is a superstar that's disengaged. Now I get it. The clock is ticking. Yes. His five-year extension starts next season. The last thing you want is a is an Anthony Davis situation, Correct. right? Where he's demanding, get me the bleep out of here. Yep. But I'm just telling you, he is all in. He loves Ryan Saunders. He has a great relationship already with Gerson Rosas. I just think it's encouraging if you're a Wolves fan, even if the 2019-2020 season might be a bit bleak. Mm-hmm. I do think it's encouraging that your superstar, the face of the franchise, is as engaged as he is. I also think it's encouraging that the franchise was willing to go out and take this type of swing because under a previous regime, if Tibbs were still around, I'm not confident that they get a meeting with Russell. I'm not confident that maybe it's close to a yes, that they do all those things, that they have a potential avenue to make something like that happen. So they swung and missed. 
on D'Angelo Russell. That's let's call it what it is. They swung and missed. But this is going to be a front office that there might not be another swing this offseason. There's going to be one next offseason. There's going to potentially be one with an in-season trade. They're going to continue to be aggressive. And you should be very happy if you're a Wolves fan about Carl being vocal, but I think that you should also be happy with how aggressive they were. Even if they didn't get the job done right now, they're going to keep taking shots at it, and that's how you're going to keep Carl happy. The obvious next swing would be Bradley Beal. Yeah. I'm told by somebody on the Washington side, the Wolves have not engaged Washington mm-hmm. in any Beal dialogue. Now, there's also some people that think Beal is on the cusp of signing a big, big money extension yeah. that would lock him into Washington for many more years. But if we ever get to that point, I can promise you, right? Mm-hmm. Because Rosas is always going to go star hunting. Yes. I can promise you, until he finds that second superstar, he'll engage Washington. But at this point... Nothing going on on that front. If I had to bet, Bradley Beal will be a wizard starting next season. So I don't know who that star is. I mean, does Kevin Love do anything for you, bringing Love back? I don't, I don't think want that Kevin contract. Love does. I, I don't He'll think be 34 that, in the last year of that deal, and he's in good that, shape. I don't think that deal of his life, but is no. that bad. I don't think that deal is that bad, but I don't know. You don't need the star there. You don't need another front court player to be your star. You need to find a star. Bradley Beal's a great name to bring up. I don't think it's likely he gets traded anytime soon, mm-hmm. but he's a great name to bring up because you need a star guard or at least a perimeter player. Kevin Love isn't going to do that for you. Kevin Love is best suited as being the the third best player on a really good team, as we saw in Cleveland on those teams with LeBron and Kyrie Irving. That's when he was his best, or at least on a winning team. He's going to be able to put up numbers, but if you have aspirations of being good, Kevin Love's your third best player. All right, so the Wolves swing and miss on all sorts of guys. You know, they even had some interest in Mike Muscala, local guy, Roseville High School. Sure. Not that he was top priority, although it surprised me that Sam Presti, the Thunder GM, flew up here to recruit Muscala. Met That's with a him good at his move house. For them too. Yeah, oh yeah, I think he can play. And I think That's Alec still Burks interesting when a GM nice. flies up here yeah. to recruit a guy like that. But the Wolves made a call on him. They inquired on a lot of guys they just didn't end up with. But top of the list, Russell. And Rubio. But they mm-hmm. did end up with some guys. Jordan Bell, Noah Vonley, Jake Lehman. They end up being included. The optics look bad. But you know what? To get Shabazz Napier and Trevion Graham on reasonable contracts, expiring reasonable contracts yeah. that aren't even guaranteed right this second. July 10th is the guaranteed yeah, date so for a few both days. of them. But, I mean, they're shopping those guys. If yeah. there's a deal to be had in the next few days, they are open-minded. But I'm just saying, the five guys as of now that they've brought in, Hey, I like it. Yeah, it's it doesn't look like a great offseason because of what the aspirations were originally. And I think that the same could actually be said about the Knicks, too, in a way. The Knicks had, went big star hunting. They made, they signed some solid guys like Taj Gibson and Julius Randle, but because they didn't Ky, Kyrie and KD, it's a failure. So here, because they didn't get D'Angelo Russell, it's going to be looked at poorly by a lot of people. But Noah Vonley is someone who's still young, and he's been around the league in, in terms of just bouncing around the team, I think this is going to be his fifth team in six years, and he's going to turn 25 in a couple weeks. That's that's kind of crazy. Jake Lehman is someone who Portland was really high on. I talked to someone close to him. Portland liked him a lot. They just didn't have the space for him. They didn't have the minutes for him. They think that he wasn't quite ready to be an NBA player his first two years, and he was the... 48th overall draft pick, I believe it was, in 2016. He wasn't quite ready. Last year, he showed he can play, and they think he's ready to make a big step. They just didn't have the time and space for him. That's how we ended up here. So I think that Jake Lehman's the one that probably fans should be most excited about in terms of their their free agent acquisitions. And Jordan Bell, for the minimum, I think that's a terrific move. He's someone that was never going to be able, and he's not going to be a star. He's not going to be Draymond Green. He's not going to be those things. But he can be serviceable. He can be better than he was in Golden State, given a bigger opportunity, which he will get here in Minnesota. And and it's never going to hurt to have someone that has championship experience, which he does. Even if you're not going to win a title this year, it still doesn't hurt to have someone like that that has been there, done that, earlier in their career on your roster. Layman, three years, $11.5 million, fully guaranteed. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's a team option. It's a full three-year guarantee. On Vonley, the Wolves tried to get in a second-year team option. He said no, so he's betting on himself. Sure. Wants to re-enter free agency a year from now. On Bell, yeah, the minimum. Pretty good for a guy just a few years ago that was the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, at least a rotation guy. Played a little bit in the playoffs. Some maturation questions there, but you know what? For the minimum, you roll those dice. All right, when we come back, you brought up the name Taj Gibson. Mm -hmm. I'll have an update on whether the Wolves made any effort to retain Taj. 
some of the other free agents they lost. Plus, what is next for the Wolves? So stay with us. It is the Scoop Podcast here on Score North on this Friday night, the 5th of July. It's segment number two of the Scoop Podcast, episode 241 on this Friday night, the 5th of July. Darren Doogie Wolfson, Danny Cunningham. He covers the Wolves for Score North. ScoreNorth.com heading to Vegas this weekend to cover the Wolves in the Vegas Summer League. And he does a great job with his podcast. It is Raised by Wolves. All right, on Vegas. Jarrett Culver. Yeah. Finally, right? I mean, tomorrow's the day. I'm actually told he's in town. Yeah, he should be. And he's undergoing a physical. He'll sign his contract, which mm-hmm. is a formality, but yeah. it's still a headline when he officially signs. But he'll sign his contract. Then he'll head to Vegas. No guarantees. I actually haven't confirmed this, but it makes logical sense that Sunday night, game two, now full disclosure, we're pre-recording this on this yeah. Friday night. So we're recording this in the 2 o'clock hour. The Wolves' first Vegas game, 4 o'clock this afternoon. So by the time you're listening to this, the Wolves' first Vegas game will be just about done. But, but you'll Jared be there Culver for didn't game play. two. Yeah, absolutely. And I would think Culver plays Sunday, right? I mean, I haven't been told for sure, but... Signed, sealed, delivered. Jarrett Culver, as of tomorrow, I would hope that he plays on Sunday. I haven't been told for sure, but the expectation and everything I've heard is pointing in that direction, is that to expect Culver to be on the court, to expect Culver to be in Vegas with the Summer League team. Obviously, he didn't play in the first game this afternoon because he's still not a member of the Timberwolves. The trade can't go through until tomorrow, which is... a rule that the NBA needs to look into changing, but it is what it is. So mm-hmm. I would expect to see him on the court at least on Sunday and Monday for games two and three in the Las Vegas Summer League. And then after that, who knows? But I would expect for him to be playing. As you've talked to people around the game, I mean, positive vibes for the most part when it comes to how Culver will do here, how he fits into what Ryan Saunders yeah. trying to accomplish? Yeah, I think that his shooting can be better than it was his second year at Texas Tech, and in large part because offensively he's not going to have the same role on the Wolves that he had at Texas Tech where he had to create so many things and he had to be that go-to guy in his sophomore year with the Red Raiders where he his shooting suffered because he wasn't getting good looks in part because of that here it's going to be open up he shot 38% from three as a freshman mostly on catch and shoot looks I assume those are going to be the types of looks he's going to be getting offensively and then defensively he's not going to come in right away and be a Robert Covington and be that all defensive type guy he might not even be what Josh Okoge was last year but he is going to be a, a step up from what Andrew Wiggins is. He's going to be a step up from what Derrick Rose was in the backcourt last year. He's going to be a solid defender in the NBA at the very least. I think that they got a very serviceable two-way guy that's going to, he might never develop into a star, but he's going to have a long career in this league. You were over at both where Target Center and Mayo Clinic Square the last few days. Yes. The Wolves had summer league mini camp availability. Going back and forth with somebody over there, I was told a lot of good things about Nas Reed. Mm-hmm. That and you think about Nas. I mean, he was a McDonald's All-American. All sorts of questions how he ended up. He's a New Jersey kid. Yeah. Ended up at LSU, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We might know, the, we might know the, uh, the answers to those well, questions. Maybe, yes. Correct, yeah. Looking at Will Wade and everything going on, <laughs> or allegedly going on there in Baton Rouge. But nonetheless, that's a pretty good move. A year ago, McDonald's All-American, for whatever reason or reason, somehow doesn't get drafted. Yeah, And the Wolves signed him to a two-way. I was told over the last few days he impressed at minicamp. And this point guard, I don't even have the roster in front of me, McLaughlin, last name is okay. McLaughlin. Yeah. yeah, Small guy. Yeah. So I was told, okay, you know, the obvious ones, right? Josh Okogie, Kata Bates-Diop, even Mitch Creek. Jared right? Terrell. Jared Culver. Well, I asked about Noel, though, their second-round pick. No, Jared Terrell. Oh, Jared Terrell, yeah, him too. Yeah. You know, but I even asked about Noel, and I was told... No, I mean, fine. It's not like he's embarrassed himself, but I was told, hey, give me some under-the-radar guys. Don't give me the names Okogi, Kata Bates, Diop, Terrell. Those guys Creek. should be dominating a summer league. They should, camp. and the Wolves might have a chance to win that dang thing with the roster they have. But I the think two they're under the, uh, radar the second guys, favorites. Yeah, yeah. There are actually are betting lines on. And, because it, yeah. that how, that's how society rolls. It, yeah, well, heck, I was, <laughs> I was actually with a couple buddies last weekend, and one's a degenerate gambler, and he told me he makes his most money betting WNBA second-half lines and Wimbledon. I have... Uh, gets I have... up really early and bets these nondescript... I'm not talking like Roger Federer, sure. Nadal, like way, way, way under the radar tennis matches over there at Wimbledon. I have a friend from back home who also is a degenerate gambler, and he makes his most money during the summer betting WNBA. 
Yeah. He he makes a killing in WNBA. And another thing that he bets is the Little League World Series. Mm-hmm. He'll make money on 12-year-old baseball players. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so not shocking <laughs> that Vegas actually has lines on who will win Vegas Summer League. So the Wolves definitely have a chance. But I was told, okay, so I said to this individual, give me two under-the-radar names, or give me a couple, mm-hmm. or one or two. Just who under the radar? Sure. And I was told to read. And I was told McLaughlin. So two guys for you to keep an eye on, I guess, in Vegas. Yeah, and and Reed was interesting because you brought up all that stuff about being a McDonald's All-American and someone who really, when he was leaving high school, was projected to be a lottery pick once he got to the NBA draft, and then he fell through the cracks and didn't get drafted. He said that this was the best offer that he had, too, coming out, that this was the place he was most comfortable, that had showed the most interest, and it was the best offer for him. So it's not really a surprise that he's here. I think that he's someone that could turn into a real NBA player. It's The two-way contracts I do think need a little tweaking in how the NBA uses them, but I think he's got a future, whether it's in Minnesota or whether it's somewhere else. I think that he is a going to be a quality NBA player. You're right on the tweaking. I mean, I know one prominent agent that bleeping hates the two-ways. Yeah. I mean, just thinks they are just the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. And, and I really advises... And he's got agents under him with his agency. He advises his guys that are under him, do not allow your your clients to sign those two-way contracts. We just we as a company don't want to advise our clients to sign those contracts. And I've talked to a, a front office official with a Western Conference team that said, yeah, we think that they need a lot more into just more days and they need to change the way the days because you only get 45 days with the NBA team and the travel days have changed, but the pay, it's a weird pay scale and they think that it needs to really be overhauled. It's a great idea. It's a terrific idea to get these G League players in the NBA when they're needed, but it's far from a solid finished product. One-year deal for Nas Reed? Like, mm-hmm. I know they tried to get the kid in from Campbell, Clemens, Chris Clemens, who signed an Exhibit 10 the other day with the Rockets. They tried to get him in here, but there was talk of a two-year two-way. And that's when him and his agent said, yeah... No, we don't want to commit for two years. Sure. I mean, there's already, we just laid out some of the hiccups with the two ways. Like, why would you want to commit to two years? I that? Unless wouldn't. you literally have no other option. It's better than nothing. Of course. Especially if you're guaranteed 45 days each season, so you get that NBA money for 45 days. But do you know if Nas's deal is a one-year two-way or is it a two-year two-way? I am I am uns- I'm uncertain of that. I would assume it's a one-year two-way, I but two-way, I, yeah. I don't know that for sure. I, okay. I don't have concrete deals about what his deal is, but I would assume a one-year. All right, I will check on that. Something we don't need to assume, I can tell you, Danny, the Wolves had just about no interest in retaining Taj Gibson. They had just about no interest in retaining Anthony Tolliver. Mm-hmm. There was some dialogue with Derrick Rose, but to be frank here, there really wasn't much of an interest in retaining Derrick Rose. Now, maybe they were tied up chasing Rubio and even more so Russell. Yeah. But really, there wasn't a whole lot of interest in retaining Derrick Rose. There's very, 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 very little. I mean, free agency's fluid. But at this point, very, 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 very little interest in retaining Luol Dang. There is interest in retaining Tyus Jones. But I'm told as of this morning... The Wolves still have not made him a long-term offer. At this point, it would not shock me if Tyus signs his qualifying offer, so he's back with the Wolves, but then he becomes an unrestricted free agent a year from now. I suppose it's not all that surprising when you bring in a new regime Mm -hmm. that there's going to be change. Heck, Portland just went to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, They have like seven new players, including Anthony Tolliver. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, teams change even when you're at just about the very top. But in the Wolves' case... All sorts of change. Yeah, and it's the Derrick Rose one's the most interesting because he got he was overpaid in my opinion by the Detroit Pistons. I, if I were the Wolves, I wouldn't have wanted to touch that contract. Two years, especially fifteen million. So that a two was year what commitment. he was looking for. Yeah, he was looking because they had some other teams interested. The oh, Lakers sure. were interested. The Hornets before they gave all that money to Rozier. Yeah, there there were some teams. The Rockets had some interest in Rose, mm-hmm. but most of the dialogue was about a one year deal. Yeah, the Pistons were willing to go to two, and two at healthy money, seven and a half per. Sure. So two years, fifteen million. Yeah, it wasn't a real hard decision for Derrick Rose. No, I can't imagine it being a difficult decision. I wouldn't have been necessarily willing to go to two years for him or at that price because he hasn't proven he can stay on the floor. 
you have to imagine you're you're paying for probably 50 games a year because he's just going to miss so much time with injury. That's that's how he is, and his body's not getting any younger. It's not getting easier for him to recover from all the bumps and bruises that come along with being an NBA player. And then in terms of Anthony Tolliver, I think that he was someone that the the Wolves certainly could have used in terms of shooting. Mm-hmm. I also I also understand from his side if he would have wanted to move on more so than coming back. I know it's a new regime. It's not what it was he last year. Uh, and I, yes, he does like Ryan, but I also think that finding a, a winning situation with more of a cutout role was probably in his best interest. Well, and they end up losing Aminu. Mm-hmm. I mean, couldn't Tolliver maybe fill that role? And I'm just envisioning just being a night owl and with kids. I end up watching sure. more West Coast games than I do East Coast or Midwest games. Mm-hmm. So... I watched a good amount of Portland. I mean, Aminu, the way they run their offense, Terry Stotts, I mean, there's a lot of corner threes. Yes. Can't Anthony... you envision Tolliver filling, maybe not all of that, because, heck, I mean, I mentioned it, right? Seven new players. I mean, Portland changed its roster a lot. Yeah. But can't you see scenarios where Tolliver is taking those Aminu shots? I absolutely can, and he's going to be able to knock those shots down at a higher clip than Al Farouk Aminu was going to. I don't think he's going to be the defender that Aminu was in Portland for the Blazers, but he's going to be able to shoot better than Aminu was, and that's going to help give them a lift. If you think back to the Western Conference Finals, the Warriors were able to blitz Damian Lillard, and they were able to blitz C.J. McCollum, and they didn't have anyone else that can knock down an outside shot. That's why, in part, we saw a couple guys have big first halves there, but then they went cold because they just really weren't that good of shooters. So I think that Anthony Tolliver, being someone that can shoot between 38 and 41% from three, is going to be a huge help for them. I've been asked about guys like Quinn Cook. Mm-hmm. Right, the restricted free agent DeLon from Wright. Memphis. Yeah, and the Wolves called on Wright. But the belief is Memphis would match a lot of offers. Maybe not every single offer. I mean, if you went four years, yeah. full mid-level, Memphis might say no. But would you really do that for Wright? I don't think so. On Quinn Cook, yeah, he's got some of that championship pedigree. He's really close with Jordan Bell. Yeah, And it's fluid. Maybe it could change. But as of yesterday morning... The Wolves had not registered interest in Cook. I was told by somebody in the know that Tyus Jones is still the top priority. As we're thinking about what is next, it might be twofold. It might be Tyus takes some of the mid-level mm-hmm. or signs his qualifying offer, and a guy like Trey Lyles. Yeah. I'm told they really like Trey Lyles. They've made some calls on some other guys, but I think at this point of the remaining free agents, he's just about at the top of their wish list. I mean, is there a scenario where maybe they end up with their final two moves and again, I mean, I can't stress this enough. It's fluid, right? Yes, the roster could change in a few weeks. I mean, but... everything could change in 10 minutes from now. That's yes. how the NBA and the offseason works. Correct. But for right now, could they end up bringing in both Tyus and Trey Lyles? And then you have the contracts of Napier and Graham, because you can have 20 contracts right now, but yeah. by the start of the season, you need 15. Well, you mentioned Graham and Napier have guaranteed contracts starting on July 10th. Correct. So could you get some moves done here in the next few days? Then you decide on Graham or Napier, you know, you let one of them go, right? If it's non-guaranteed, sure. I don't even know which one. I would lean that they would keep Napier, let go Graham, but Graham's camp had a nice conversation with the Wolves, thinking that there's actually a role here for Trevion Graham. But could you see maybe a scenario like that? And I guess on Tyus, how surprised are you that the Wolves have not engaged his side in long-term contract talks i'll start with the tyus thing and i do think it's probably the best thing for him to play out this year on the qualifying offer and hit the market again next year as a low number though as an unrestricted three and a half million yes but he can hit the the market as an unrestricted free agent in a really weak free agent class Mm -hmm. he would be he would be a much higher priority there is risk you could could get hurt something could happen but I also, I'm not surprised that the Wolves haven't come with a long-term offer because it's a new regime. It's a new front office. It's Gerson Rosas hasn't been around Tyus Jones enough to, to really evaluate him properly where he wants to be able to commit money to him long, long-term long down the road. And I understand that. I do think it's possible. I think it's more likely than not that he's back with the Wolves. In terms of a guy like Trey Lyles, I think that would make some sense for them because they, they're going to continue to need all of the help that they can get. And I don't know what would be matched because he's a restricted free agent I don't know how high they would have to go and I'm not sure how high the Wolves would be comfortable in going but it's definitely worth kicking the tires if nothing else I was told much like right that Denver would match many offers now maybe Memphis would match a few more offers on right than Denver would on Lyles but Mm -hmm. that Denver would match some offers but not all offers I wonder if you actually engage Denver in some sign and trade 
dialogue, right? Just yeah. Like Portland with Lehman. It's so been the summer of the signing trade. Yeah, and there's some other teams in on Trey Lyles, so no guarantees. But I do know the Wolves really like Trey Lyles. So I'm wondering, and he's got the connection to Carl Anthony Towns yeah. for what that's worth. So I do wonder if there's a path. And, yeah, I do think Tyus at this point, whether it's the qualifying offer, whatever it might be, I think that's their top goal. Yeah. Ryan really likes him. Hometown guy. Represents the organization incredibly well. There's a lot to like about Tyus Jones. Let him and Jeff Teague at this point battle it out. Although, I can't sit here and tell you 100% Jeff Teague is here in October. No. There's nothing imminent. I mean, I keep being asked that. There's nothing imminent right now on Friday night, July 5th, of the Wolves trading Jeff Teague. But could he be had? 100%. He's absolutely... Everyone on this roster, I would assume... I know Carl Anthony Towns is not available... And I would guess that Jarrett Culver is not available well, right now. Well, he's not even trade eligible for many Yes, months. but other than that, I would assume everyone yes. can be had at via trade. So, yeah, if someone but calls up... they're not up, shopping, guys. Correct. But if someone calls up and says, we want Jeff Teague, the Wolves aren't hanging up the phone right away. Correct. And that, that tells you all you need to know. He's. I'm not saying there's a good chance he's going to be gone by the season starts, but he could be. He could be gone in February. He could be a guy that's on an expiring deal that could be traded to a playoff contender that needs a little bit of backward help should he get off to a a good start to a contract year. Let's face it, that is what it is for him. He's going to come out after an injury-riddled 2018-19 season with a lot to prove, and he's playing for money. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a good first couple months at the very least. Well, and you said it too. It's a weak free agent class mm-hmm. next summer. So if you're Jeff Teague, even at, what, 31 years old... It might be a two-year deal, not a four-year deal, but sure. Jeff T could hit the jackpot one more time yep. next summer. If he has a good year, somebody, inevitably, somebody will need a guard. Absolutely. I could see him making $15 million a year next summer. And there are worse things than having Jeff T than being your starting point guard. He's you. not a bad point guard. Mm-hmm. I think that our, our view of him may have soured a little bit because he didn't have a great year last year. He was injured all the time last year. And just a lot went on in that locker room last year. And Jeff Jeff wasn't at the center of it, but Jeff was, was there. And I can understand having a little bit of a soured view on him. I think that he's going to be much better this year. I really do. And he's someone that historically hasn't been injured in, in his career. And I wouldn't expect that to start now because he had an injury-riddled year. All right, so let's lay this out. Let's presume Tyus is back. Mm -hmm. Maybe they add somebody else, but let's just go on the idea that Tyus is back. Everybody else they have. How do you, top of your head, figure minutes go? Not even who's starting. I think who finishes games is as big a deal, if not a bigger deal, than who starts. They have guys, I mean, many guys that can play multiple positions. That is what they wanted to accomplish. I'm telling you, they are going to switch a ton on defense. They want guys that can guard multiple positions. They have that. But how exactly do you foresee it shaking out? So I guess a point guard, Teague, Tyus, Napier. I would actually guess that Andrew Wiggins plays a little bit of point guard, if that's the case. If they don't have a third true point guard like where they had Derrick Rose last year, we saw Andrew played some point guard at times when they were beat up at point guard, and I think that that might be a way to get the most out of him. So it wouldn't surprise me if he does get some of those minutes handling the offense. That's interesting, too. Let me add this, because I haven't brought up Wiggins yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind, because he knows, his people know, that yeah. his name at least came up a little bit. Yeah, they're not stupid. They have not they know come close to trading Andrew Wiggins. A lot yeah. of that is four years, $120 million left Oof. on his contract. So it's not easy if you're an opposing GM to convince your owner to bring on that contract. Yeah. So, but I'm just saying they have not come close to moving Wiggins. But I can't imagine it's real easy right now for Ryan Saunders and others to motivate Andrew no. when he believes, right or wrong, he believes perception, reality, whatever, but he perceives that the Wolves have been throwing his name out there. So maybe that's one way to motivate him is to say, Andrew, look at this. We're giving you that much more responsibility. Yeah. We want you on the ball. You're actually going to play some point guard. Yeah, I think it's a, a way to maybe motivate him, like you said. And this is a tough time of the season for not only guys like Tyus who are waiting for that contract offer, but guys who are going to hear their names come up in, in trade talk all the time. I brought up on Raised by Wolves yesterday, has there been a summer since 2015 where Kevin Love's name hasn't been thrown around? Like, that's a difficult thing for these players to deal with because they're not robots. They are humans. Like, they're going to hear this, and it is going to affect them to an extent. So I don't know how much it's going to affect Andrew. 
at the end of the day, though, even if it does affect him, can it really get much worse than it was? It feels like the only way to go for Wiggins now is up. So I don't know what effect that the trade talk is really going to have on him. All right, so then we have Okogie. We have Culver. Yeah. There's Keita Bates-Diop that is going to fight for minutes. There's Jake Lehman, Noah Vonley, Jordan Bell. Carl Anthony Towns clearly is going to play a lot. <laughs> Gorgie Jang is still here. Robert Covington should be healthy by training camp. Just got cleared to do some light activity. He's still many months from full clearance, but he should have it by the start of training camp or soon thereafter. So, I mean, you've just you've got a lot of guys. I'm just curious to see how, how all the pieces fit. Because yeah. this team will be young. They still need some shooting. And the West is deeper than ever. So even as much fun as we're having discussing all these possibilities, one possibility is they will be, if not the worst, one of the worst teams in the Western Conference. I can't see them being the worst team in the Western Memphis, Conference right? because Memphis is there. Yeah, I'm on the Memphis bandwagon with the, that. They are Assuming Iguodala goes. Yeah. And they may end up benefiting. Yeah, absolutely. Have you heard of a team gaining a first-round pick for acquiring a guy? Then sending that guy out and acquiring another first round pick. I never have, but so that would be amazing, and it's possible. Off. Yeah, they may pull that off, right? They have yeah. a Golden State first round pick. Then if they trade Iguodala to Houston, they may get Houston's first round pick. So it may work out brilliant yeah. for Memphis. And I like a lot of what Memphis is doing, just because I love John Morant and I love Jackson. Yeah. So I like the core that they have and some of the future moves they've made. But when talking next year, yeah, I do. I think the Wolves are better. And Memphis, but even then, and maybe Phoenix, but even then, we're still talking about a team that might not have much of a chance to make the playoffs. And because of that, I think it makes sense to play the, these guys that you have on the one-year deals, the younger guys, to see what they really are and see mm -hmm. if they can be part of the future. As things stand right now, I don't know if it makes sense to have Gorgie Jang as part of the rotation for the Wolves. I just don't know if it makes sense. I would rather see Jordan Bell play. I would rather see what Noah Vonley can do. I would rather see those guys getting those those other big man minutes because obviously Cat's going to eat into a huge chunk of that as he should. He's your franchise player and all that. So I don't know if Gorgie Jang being in the rotation makes sense. I think that they want to play Keita Bates-Diop. I, I think we saw... I think they want to play Vonley. I mean, I don't I, think Vonley signed here for one year betting on himself, yeah. turning down multiple years here. To not At least play. the team option to not play. So he's been given some sort of verbal assurance that he's going to play. And Jordan Bell, the same. I mean, he doesn't come here that quick into free agency for the minimum when he probably could have gotten the minimum soon after, right? Mm -hmm. And some other teams tried on Bell. Oklahoma yeah. City, Houston, Utah. He had enough interest. So I don't know. You know, I mean, well, I do know. I think those guys came here because yeah. they were told by Ryan Saunders. Certainly Ryan talked to those guys during the free agent courting process. He told those guys, I'm going to play you. Yeah. So you might be right about Gorgie. Yeah, I think that that makes the most sense for the direction this team's headed. And we're going to look at a team, and I'm not sure what their average age was last year in terms of the 15 guys on the roster, but it's going to be drastically lower this year with just who you're bringing in, where Vonley's young, Jordan Bell's only entering his third year, Jake Lehman's young, and, and yeah, everyone else that's here is getting another year older, but you've dropped off Taj and... Anthony Tolliver and Derek Rose and Luol Deng, who were your, what, four oldest guys on the team last year, are gone. This is going to be a really young group of Wolves. Thank you, sir. Safe travels. Remind folks where they can follow you on Twitter. Absolutely. I'm on Twitter at RealDCunningham. Find my stuff on ScoreNorth.com. That is the voice of Danny Cunningham of Score North. He does a great job covering the Wolves. When we come back, we catch up with former Twins manager Paul Molitor. This is the Scoop Podcast. <laughs> It's final segment time of the Scoop Podcast here on this Friday night, the 5th of July on Score North. Scorenorth.com, that's score with a K, S-K-O-R. We'll get to former Twins manager Paul Molitor. I was with him at a charity event on Monday. Always good to see Molly. He's excited about this year's Twins, even though they're coming off their first losing road trip, 2-4 and four on the road trip. 14 and 14 in their last 28 games. So it has not gone so well the last month or so, but they still have a six game lead in the division as of tonight. And it's a very favorable schedule, especially as we get into middle of August into September. So the Twins are still in the driver's seat to win the division. But when talking about maybe having the best record in the league, if wanting home field advantage in the American League Championship Series, that might be a bigger hurdle to clear after this recent four-week stretch. But nonetheless, Molly is very excited about the Twins. But before we get to Molly, in no particular order, former Simley High School star Michael Bush 
The first-round pick of the L.A. Dodgers signed. He signed as of today. He got his slot value. He went late in the first round of the early June Major League Baseball draft. His signing bonus is slightly over. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it's slightly over $2 million. So congratulations to the former Simley High School star. Keeping the baseball theme going, the Twins will have three scouts at Progressive Field tomorrow for the first ever high school all-star game. So some of the best high school players in the country will play in an all-star game tomorrow night at Progressive Field as part of all-star week festivities so many different events happening in cleveland saturday sunday then monday the home run derby tuesday the all-star game so a busy stretch in cleveland actually that's where the twins will be after the all-star game twins indians a week from tonight starting a series which could be very very interesting especially depending on how the twins do this weekend and how the indians do but that six game lead is still pretty impressive here in early july it's not often the twins can say they have a healthy lead in the division in early july but anyway at that high school all-star game max carlson burnsville high school class of 2020 great pitcher also has a good bat, plays the outfield. He's a North Carolina commitment. His older brother is Sam Carlson a couple years ago, a second-round pick of the Seattle Mariners. Anyway, Max is playing in this All-Star game where the Twins will have three scouts. So many guys, including Max, are really good 2020 Major League Baseball draft prospects. So the Twins have every reason to have multiple scouts there, keeping an eye on all those prospects. John Anderson of the Gophers is still searching for a contract extension. He has one year to go. He wants an extension. It is hurting in recruiting, but there is no momentum, at least not yet, on the John Anderson contract extension front. Continuing the Gophers theme, assistant coach Rob Jeter is in Greece watching Jalen Suggs. Jalen playing for the USA under-19 team. The Gophers may not ultimately get Suggs, but they certainly have done their homework on Jalen Suggs. They've also done their homework on Dawson Garcia, great player from Prior Lake, had a chance to try out for the USA Under-19 team schedule-wise. It just didn't work out. Dawson was on this podcast a few weeks ago talking about where things stand on his recruiting front. He recently got offers from North Carolina and Kansas. It seems like Kentucky will offer soon, so the Blue Bloods want Garcia. So if the Gophers don't get Garcia, it won't be from a lack of effort. They had Garcia on campus once again in the last handful of days. So Richard Patino doing his homework, his big-time homework on Dawson Garcia and assistant coach Rob Jeter has a great relationship with Jalen Suggs, with the Suggs family. So the Gophers are doing their homework, doing all they can to get the two top players in the state in the class of 2020. Anders Lee will be on the podcast in the coming weeks. Edina Native re-signed with the New York Islanders, seven years, $49 million. There was some talk about the Wild making a run. The Wild did call his agent, Neil Sheehy. Neil's been on this podcast before, local guy, great guy. Anyway, Anders' first choice was to always re-sign with the Islanders. His interest in actually playing for the hometown Wild was very, very limited. So he got his wish. I was in Lee's hometown on Monday for a charity event. Wayne Kostrowski, Sir Nick Faldo did a great job raising money for people that need meals. I mean, that was the bottom line. A ton of money was raised at Interlochen on Monday. I had a chance to catch up with PJ Fleck, ran into all sorts of luminaries, including Paul Molitor. Here's my conversation with former Twins manager Paul Molitor. Molly, I suppose when Wayne or somebody close to Wayne says, hey, we're going to raise some money, can you be here? They don't need to twist your arm. Well, it, it's it's uh, it's a nice invitation from Wayne to be a part of it at the inaugural event here uh, and taste for the tour. Um, you know, I remember when he, he kicked it off with the NFL it, just to see where it would go, and now decades later, you know, all the lives he's affected positively through the gift of food and here we are with the PGA Tour here in Minnesota. Hopefully we get some good weather, but what, what Wayne's doing with this idea, it looks like it's going to be a really nice inaugural event, and I'm happy to be a part of it. I mean, most importantly, you're going to help raise a lot of money tonight, but is it cool to catch up with? I mean, everywhere I turn, it's P.J. Fleck, it's Randall McDaniel, it's Joe Mauer, it's Derek Falvey. Well, Wayne's got that power, you know, and uh, it is a nice collection of um, people from various you know sports here in the Twin Cities that have come out to support the event obviously a lot of the sponsors and people that are contributing to to actually raising the money and it is good to catch up I just had a nice uh, talk with Derek Falvey who I haven't seen more than a couple of times in spring training so that was good and of course Cretans well represented with Matt Burke and Joe and myself so um, a lot of little connections but great to see all these guys out here supporting the cause when you catch up with Derek I mean is it cordial do you give him a hug I mean what's that like um, it's very cordial. Yeah, we had a little handshake and the man hug that everybody does these days. I'm not sure if I've evolved into that comfortably, but that's kind of the way it is. 
but yeah, we just uh, talking a little bit about the team, and uh, you know, we've we've had a couple conversations this summer, but this was just nice to see him. He's out here with his wife Megan tonight, and uh, yeah, it's very comfortable. I mean, I suppose you ready for this goofy corner I'm about to turn. Sure. If you were still managing, you'd be in Oakland. You wouldn't be able to do events like this. Well, there's been a lot of things I've been able to do uh, over the ha last handful of months that have a little bit been a little bit foreign in terms of not having had summers to have the flexibility, particularly around the areas of family and uh, you know going to my kids kids games, volleyball tournaments, baseball tournaments. That's been the most special part for me. And uh, thoroughly have enjoyed watching the club play this year. It's been amazing the way things have fallen into place. Uh, of course, Rocco's leadership's been great, but the, all the players, top to bottom, it's, it's been pretty spectacular. And let's just hope it continues through the second half. Are you surprised? I mean, you saw glimpses. I mean, you knew that a guy like Max and a guy like Eddie and certainly Byron healthy, right? I mean, you knew that a lot of these guys could peak and, and Jorge, and they certainly are peaking. I think if you would talk about the win total ahead of the All-Star break, you'd have to say you're a little surprised. But in terms of seeing enough seasons where teams have either overachieved or underachieved for whatever reasons, um, that part I'm not taken aback by because it happens. Um, some you know shrewd moves by the front office, some maturation of young players. Um, I think a big part of the team is that they found out early that no one guy has to be the guy. And when you can spread it around like that, it takes a lot of pressure, especially off some of the expectations we've had on our young guys the last couple of years. Piggybacking on what you just said, I wonder because of that, did they get screwed with, with the All-Star game only getting two guys? I'm disappointed. I, um, again, probably from experience, I've seen a lot of unjust things transpire in terms of who gets to participate in that game. My favorite uh, analogy in that regard is to, to bring back an old friend, Robin Yount, um, three All-Star games um, after 20 years and a couple MVPs. So, uh, but yeah, this year's club, many guys deserving. You hate to single them out, out but what you know, Rosie and Kep and Barrios and some of these guys have done, certainly more worthy. I guess you got to earn your stripes for more than uh, one half of a season. But you go after this, the elephant in the room. I mean, is there any party that says, gosh darn it, I'd love to be in that dugout with this group right now? Yeah, I, well, I don't know about exactly those words, but I do miss it. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, what happened over the past four years. And, uh, you know, I'm really happy for the way it's going for especially a lot of players that I develop close relationships with. But, uh, yeah, you know, um, from afar, it's it's still been fun. But yeah, you, you miss the day-to-day -day grind of being out around the game, especially the interconnection with the guys. That was former Twins manager Paul Molitor. When I talked to him on Monday, Jose Barrios was not an All-Star. Jake Odorizzi gets hurt in Oakland. Odorizzi scratched from the All-Star game. Jose Barrios is in year two consecutively of Barrios being an All-Star. The money on his extension, his one-day extension, not that anything is close the Twins have not had extension talks either with Odorizzi or Gibson, who are pending free agents. They have had talks with Brios' side about an extension. They are not close. You would think another all-star appearance just raises the price of business when it comes to Jose Barrios. But the Twins, nonetheless, regardless, have him under team control for multiple more years. All right, we are done. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 241.